okay with Jen Butler. End of scene is the the fitting screenplay screenplay winner. We we performed her uh, first scene script at our festival. Uh, it's a psychological sci-fi, lots of drama, kind of relationship movie. Uh, really kind of a really kind of interesting concept. It's like it's one of those situations where it's a gr- amazing concept that kind of has a great payoff. Sometimes people, or in general, sometimes there's a there's an amazing kind of idea or concept that doesn't kind of pay off thematically, but yours does for sure. And before I, I, I get to you, I just want to, you, you said something really interesting. And uh, we asked people in the blog interview, why people want, why this, this script should be made into a movie. And you talked about the relevance of it, the opportunity and the necessity. And I actually love that so much. Your answer so much. I actually want to steal it for future, but uh, that was fantastic the way you did that. So that's my big speech and uh, congratulations, Jen, on the, on the success of the script. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, I actually did a lot of research on why, I mean, I know why this story matters to me. And so like, I guess I could give the log line really quickly. Yeah, so for, for anyone sure. who's Yeah. Okay, I have it up so I don't just absolutely butcher it. When a jaded housewife suddenly realizes her mysterious house is keeping her and her husband stuck in a repeating scene that resets every time she tries to make a change, she must accept help from a child she's only just met in order to outsmart and escape the house before she and her husband get stuck forever. So I like to write stories that show what an emotional and spiritual awakening might look like for a person. And in this specifically, I wanted to show what it's like in a long-term relationship where you've been with someone for a long time and perhaps have fallen prey to maybe learn gender roles or just kind of, I don't know, complacency, which I think can happen when you've been with someone for a really long time. And so many movies out there are like, oh, you're with this partner for a long time, but then you found this like hot yoga instructor and they're, oh, they've got a 20 pack of abs and there's sparks and you're going to fall in love with that person. It's like, no, (laughs) that's, that's lust. And (laughs) I don't want us to continue romanticizing that. So I wanted to show what happens when one member of a couple suddenly becomes aware that they're caught in this cycle, in this this complacency and this redundancy, and they become aware that they're just playing out this narrative and, and that they've inherited from society or that they've just learned or written themselves in, in their subconscious. And how can they help the other party? So in this instance, M is the protagonist, the woman, and she's in a heterosexual marriage with Rory, her husband, mm-hmm. and he's still asleep. He's still playing out the daily role. So how can these two people who are so different have an awakening and can they keep their relationship intact? Is it something where they can fall in love again? Is it something where they can accept their differences? So that to me is something I'm very passionate about. And I was really excited to bring it to life and it's done well in contests, which I'm like, yay, other people get it. Yeah, no, I totally, yeah, it totally makes sense. Well, it's, it's something that, that we all can be good. I'm a married man myself. You can get, you can kind of get, you get into a routine, which is good routine structure is a good thing and yep. then and then all of a sudden you have responsibilities where like people have to pay the rent or pay the mortgage they have to go to work there's a routine with work and then all of a sudden you rinse and repeat it and then after a while it's like oh five years have gone by i guess right so yes yeah 
Yes. And then you get sure. so comfortable in your relationship that 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 kind of like and, and relationships are interesting because there's like ebbs and flows. There's like there's usually an intensity. Most relationships have a this intensity at the beginning that can never sustain itself, right? So yeah. then and then and then you want that intensity and you kind of like long for that intensity. And then you have to kind of like evolve your relationship, I guess, right? That's it. I love talking with someone who gets it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when we first meet someone, there is a genuine honeymoon phase, which is tons of chemicals and hormones being dumped into our body. We are literally feeling high in the presence of this other person. It can almost become addictive. And this idea that it should be that way always, which I think we get from a lot of rom-coms, which end like right at or after the honeymoon yeah, phase. It ends at the peak. Yeah. Yeah, it ends at the peak. Exactly. They don't show the messy cleanup, right? And that's those are the types of movies that I want to watch though and I want to write are showing what happens next though I don't want us to just think that we should have these perfect always happy relationships it's just not sustainable or realistic and when you're in a relationship with a person whether it's friendship or romantic but certainly romantic inevitably your own am I allowed to cuss or no yeah go ahead Okay, great. Your own shit is going to come up, right? So yeah. a lot of times people will be in a relationship. It's great at first. And then they start to butt heads and they're like, oh, well, this is just in the person for me. Guess what? The next person you're with, that same shit is going to come up. Those same patterns, those yeah. same, you have to work through them. So find the person that's worth going through that pain with, because we're here to, in my opinion, evolve and grow and awaken. And so having someone that you can partner with and who recognizes, like you said, the ebbs and the flows of relationship, that sometimes we're going to feel sexy and we're going to be passionate. And other times like we have diarrhea and don't feel, feel well, and we are still lovable then. Yeah. So to have the space for the ebbs and the flows and to recognize that, wow, what a wonderful opportunity to be with a person for a long period of time where they've seen all aspects of you and still want to be with you. And it's like choosing to love choosing who you love each day and so that's i mean i'm just very very passionate about it yeah no it's like that's well that's why hollywood the, the, the hollywood loves sequels right but they don't make rom-com sequels because of what you <laughs> that's actually true yeah, they, they they it's not funny <laughs> what you just described is not funny right so it's like <laughs> it can be but it's not funny yeah standards right so well they did uh let's see knocked up later there was this is 40 which was the that, same that characters. wasn't funny right yeah but that it, but that it, wasn't it the main was, characters that wasn't the it, main yeah characters. exactly it was a spinoff of the other characters exactly yeah. that's such a good point yeah. man i never considered that yeah but i think it can be funny real life can be funny but it would certainly have to be a dark comedy and it might make people uncomfortable because it's going to mirror a lot of what they experience or what they avoid well that's exactly it right that's the people will generally go to the movies you know in, in that in that kind of setting rom-com setting to, to kind of a comedy setting to get away from life not to experience it and i think that's what apatel had an issue with you brought up this is 40 that's what that was the criticism of that film right we're like he why is he why are we watching this i i i, I go through this at home right so yeah i don't, I don't want to see this in the theater <laughs> right right yeah. But you use an allegory. See, what you did is they use an allegory, like a fantasy kind of allegory of like, of being kind of like, you, it's like a trope. It's like, it's basically, it's like, let's, let's have this fantasy element kind of using as an analogy to, to relationships in general, I guess. Right. Yes. Yes. Which is. Yeah. A, and 
and it's, it's, so it kind of sneaks up on people without without them realizing that that what kind of what themes you're you're putting in the film, I guess. Yeah, and I have the the house itself. So at first, it's like, what the hell's wrong with this house? You know, she can't leave, and when she tries to peel down the wallpaper, the wallpaper, the ugly, outdated yellow wallpaper just sticks back up. And at one point, she stops making breakfast for her husband because she had fallen into that pattern of, oh, well, I am the housewife, which still exists for some people. And she doesn't make breakfast for him one morning. And he just sits down and continues going through the motions of eating, even though there's no food in front of him. And so I wanted to start it out with like, oh, this is the 1950s, you know, married couple, but then it evolves and starts to break apart and fall apart. As she's going like, where the hell, what is wrong with this house? And what is, I don't understand. And as the story progresses, we learn that this house is a representation of whether it's her subconscious mind or their relationship overall, because it's showing that underneath all this wallpaper that they've inherited, whether it's from society or from their, uh, you know, what they learned from their parents or their grandparents, ancestral stuff, underneath the wallpaper is where their true relationship is. But they got complacent and they stopped really showing up as themselves with one another, which I think we can easily fall into like, oh, this is how I should be to be sexy, or this is how I should be to be manly. I want this person to still like me. So let me act a certain way. And we move away from being authentic. So all these layers of the wallpaper go up. And that's something else that I wanted to show where it's the peeling back of these masks of these layers to get to who we truly are. And that's where that real connection happens. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's yeah, it's fantastic. It's like let's talk about uh, you were very candid in the in the blog interview and about like about like uh, how it, you know you're procrastinated to 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 start writing certain like I know you write other scripts. And yeah, basically getting rejections. You said you had like oh, man. rejections, and you kind of like learned to kind of take what you needed to take from those rejections and kind of evolve as a writer. And so it's sort of like you're on this kind of journey as a as a as a screenwriter. When did you, when I'm curious, when you started, when did you start writing screenplays? So it would be about three years ago. So, so I'm you're, uh, rel- you're very new. So you're very new conversation now. So I don't know if that tells you that you're kind of on your, you're on your, you're on your journey, I guess, three years in. Yeah. You know, I had finished, well, rather I had started lots of screenplays without finishing them. I would have an idea. <clears throat> I would write the first 25 pages. I would share it with someone. They would tell me something they didn't like about it. And I would be like, screw it. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Right. Yeah. And I did struggle with what the cool kids call rejection sensitivity or something. There's a there's a, a title for it, rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Essentially, I would get butt hurt if someone didn't think everything I made was absolutely amazing, which is what started my rejection journey, where I sought out 22 rejections. I'm like, I am just going to go out there and get rejected and deal with the discomfort of it. So, of course, I had to finish my screenplay in order to do that. And then I just submitted all over the damn place. And in doing that, it actually was more challenging to get the rejections because I got so many acceptance letters and so I won so many things. And I'm like, oh, I understand now. There still was the rejection. There still were people that didn't get the script at all, but that's going to happen no matter what. And so it's to the point now where when I get rejection letters or whatever, I'm like, okay, just not them, not now. But the first few times I definitely did. No, well, yeah, it's. Yeah. I guess it it helps when you win something, though, right? So then you can do. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, it did. I, I think, let's see, I was, a, I think a quarter finalist or something at first. And I was like, oh, well, that's good. And then I would get, not I, but the script end of scene would be selected or quarter finalist, but it wasn't winning. And so that's when I was like, I'm ready to take this seriously. I don't want to just do what I did in high school and college, which were easy for me. I could just write something last minute and toss it out and be like, A plus, and all right, and that's it. I want to actually learn about the screenwriting craft. I want to watch other screenplays that have won awards. I want to read books about screenwriting from people who know what the hell they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I want to get feedback from people. I want to sit in the discomfort of hearing this feedback. And then I want to implement it. And so I did this deep dive for a few months into end of scene where I'm learning all about stuff. I'm reading stuff. I'm watching movies. I'm getting feedback. And I did uh, in what's called a mural. It's a company that does like essentially a whiteboard where you can map things out. And I fully mapped out the entire story of end of scene. I took inventory of every action that the characters make of what their motivations are. Like, why is this in the movie? Should it be here? Does this actually help the story? And I cleaned it up and afterward I just felt it click. And I was like, there it is. That's what's been trying to get my attention for a while. After that is when it started to win. And it's like semi-finalist, finalist, when, when, when. There's still some rejections, but that's just no, part of it. it seems, that seems like an amazing kind of uh journey where where like so this is three years. So you've you've gone, you've evolved in, in the three years where you kind of like really took assessment of it's like you did the hard work, I guess, in a general yes. sense, like you kind of dove in and uh, did the hard work And like, I, I, I can, I'm not saying there's certain things in my life where like things, well, like you said, I, I'm just using your words where you said like, I, I can go to university and, and do an essay and get an A plus. So yep. there's something to that, like poor you basically, meaning that, <laughs> that, but there's something to that where like something becomes easy at you, right? Like either someone's good at, good at sports or someone's good at whatever, right? Good at, uh, at they have a, they have a, they're good at dancing, but they, 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 get, they still have to put in the work. There's talent and there's skill, right? So yep. it seems like you had a talent for writing and then you had to like, in a general sense, you had to learn the skills to get That's better at, and then kind of enhance your talents. That's a great way of putting it. And one of the biggest skills to learn is how to accept feedback and how to accept rejection and to keep going. There's some writer friends that I have who are the most talented creative writers I've ever met, but it's like when the universe gave them that big helping of brilliance with writing, universe was like, yo, let's also give them a bunch of insecurity and a tender little baby fragile ego where they just are so afraid of failure, of rejection, that they never share their craft. And I've talked with people who are, who like read screenplays and stuff in LA. And they're like, hey, a lot of the, the movies that you see oftentimes are the best scripts that we're getting. Cause there's some movies that I watch where I'm like, how the hell did this get made? But well, it's because hard work outdoes talent when talent doesn't work hard. So a lot of people who may not be the best talent Mm -hmm. have the skills or at least are taking the steps yeah. and putting themselves out there so it doesn't matter that, how you see that in you every are. field you see that in athletics all the time it's like the, the that's true the most talented like the most talented person at basketball for example doesn't make it to the nba it's the one who basically puts in the work and in the drive it. it's the same way with actors actors all the time some actors have the amazing screen presence right amazing screen presence but they don't put any work into the craft and then someone like Paul Newman works at it for 15 years and he finally has, is an overnight success 15 years later, meaning that 
you you, you got to put in the work. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting for you to say overnight success 15 years later, yeah. because a lot of times I think we, as the consumers, as the audience, will see an overnight success. But, yeah. And as create creators, we'll oftentimes compare ourselves to that of like, oh, that just happened to them. Over no, you didn't see the behind the scenes shit show exactly. of all the rejection and everything they went through for the last 10 to 15 years to get to where they are. And that's what I'm learning now because I'm on the behind the scenes journey. It's a lot. Because the media likes a good story. That is like nobody's <sighs> an overnight success, right? So it's like, you, right. you know, Gladwell exactly. was right. You got to put in the 10,000 hours, right? So that's, we, yes, it really truly is. And now I'm, so I'm working on my third screenplay now and each script that I write, I feel like gets cleaner it gets more powerful i'm able to do it faster and then i send it out for feedback faster and i'm able to go oh man i really see what that person's saying let me see how i can change that so rather than taking things personally i'm like let's do this for the heart of the story i i want to bring this story to life is the feedback this person giving me helping me get closer to that then hell yeah i want to take the feedback they gave rather than going oh they don't understand the twist it's like okay they don't understand the twist let's see how we can adjust that because it's yeah. taking something abstract from your mind and putting it yeah. on paper, but also recognizing that everyone's interpretation of words, it's going to be different. Yeah. So how do you get this point across without handholding, but then also without being like too abstract where no one gets it? It's a tender balance to find. That said, I'm, I administer, uh, I find people to give feedback and this kind of what I do for a living. And basically, so that said, I still know that feedback is one of those things where like the writer has to take in what what is being said meaning that if it if it fits to the spine and the thematics of what they're writing about then take that feedback but if it's yeah. not then you know like i said i do this for a living but basically you can't listen to it it's like that there's an art to that too of like what to listen to and what the not to, and it's about your ego right it's like sometimes your ego will not will tell you ah that's full bs whatever like that and they they'll brush it away but basically, yeah, you got to find a, it's, it's up to the writer to find what to take, what what is necessary and what, what what is not necessary. So, sure, there's there's the ego part of it. And then there's also having confidence in what you're saying about, like, the actual spine and the theme of the story and being OK, not listening to some feedback. Yeah, but exactly. There's the first the first uh, reaction, I think, oftentimes when taking feedback that might not be positive is like, well, they just don't get it and they don't get me. And so my <laughs> encouragement to anyone who's a writer is to sit with that feedback and don't respond to it. Don't respond, just sit with it. Just yeah. sit with it, take a breather, right? And then eventually you can recognize, ah, shit, they really do have a point. But what I went through was the other end of the extreme where I went from not wanting to take any to wanting to take all of it because I didn't have the confidence in my story and my voice. So I wanted to please everyone. I was like, I'm going to write the perfect screenplay. And yeah. so every bit of feedback I took, I was trying to implement it. And I was just getting so far away from the actual story. I mean, one piece of feedback was, well, what if the, what if the wood used to build the house was magical? And I'm like, no. The that's bad feedback. Nobody should be telling <laughs> you said, that's not, ideas. In the feedback, that's not nobody the should be giving you ideas. That's basically. Right. When I'm rewrite, when I'm like going going through the coverage, I that I we I immediately reject that because it's like nobody should be giving the writer ideas to do something. They should be helping enhance what their current idea is. So, I'm so grateful that you know that. And the feedback that I got from <clears throat> your festival was some of the best feedback I've gotten. There are some huge, expensive festivals that I've submitted to, and I've gotten 
like humorously bad or mean feedback from. I had someone tell me gender roles don't still exist. And so this shouldn't be a movie. And I'm like, cool, really glad I spent $150 to get <laughs> feedback there. Yeah. And it's like, you're just saying what you don't like about it personally. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk yeah. Like take your feelings out of it and let's talk about the craft and the story and what we can do to bring this story to fruition, whether or not you think it should be a story your job as giving, not you, but this, you know, that you, that person, it's like your job in this instance is to try to see what this writer is attempting and help them get there. Like you see little holes in the plot or areas for opportunity. And also what did you like? That's all very important parts of the feedback. So I'm curious, what's your origin story? What, what, what prompted you to start writing uh, screenplays? I have always wanted to be a screenwriter. I mean, ever since I was a kid and I've always been a storyteller. I talk with my hands and I give the details and everyone's always like, oh my gosh, into it. It was really a lack of confidence and also lack of follow through for a long time where I was like, oh, it just takes so much time to write that entire script. And I got into theater for a while, which I wrote for theater and I acted in theater. I did some directing and that was really helpful for my confidence. And it was really amazing to be able to witness taking an abstract idea, getting it on paper, handing it to actors, and then boom, it's 3D. It's in front of me. Like they're they're doing it. They're acting it out. And that was incredible. But then I just kept watching movies, complaining to my boyfriend that I could write something better, hair flip, hair flip. And then during a, I don't know, normal Tuesday existential crisis, face first on the floor as I was sad that I hadn't written a screenplay uh he was like will you write the screenplay or stop talking about writing the screenplay and we've been together for years and you've talked about writing movies and you've yeah. yet to finish one so how about you finish one and put it out there rather than just continuing to talk shit about the movies you see yeah and so I did I did what's what I we ended up calling it a check mark where I would write every single day even if it was adding a period even if it was changing one word I just plugged in every single day and pushed through the resistance. And it was like training a muscle, building a muscle. And now I can write for hour, two, three hours a day. But it took a lot of that repetition and forcing myself to go and write one word. And then oh, that's it. Yeah. But there, there were some days I would go to write one word and inspiration would be like, hey, Jen, I've been waiting for you. And boom, it would just come out of me and I would write, write, write. That's so, amazing. And so yeah. then in case you're three years in, like you're, you know, 1100 days in around. <laughs> and, uh, and so you've gotten, so now we're having conversation, you've got rewritten a few screenplays, you've won some yep. awards. What's like, uh, ideally, like, I, I, of course you want your, your scripts made into a, into a film. That's sort of the easy answer, but what are you looking? Are you looking to get an agent now? Are you looking to like, work in a writer's room like what is your kind of like do you have goals as a career as a or is this something that's just a hobby like what's your what's your what's your focus I definitely want this to be my career it's been my dream since I was a kid and now to actually be working toward it even if my scripts haven't been made into movies yet I still feel fulfilled every night when I go to bed because I'm taking action steps toward these goals I don't have an interest in working on a tv show or in a writer's room at this point in time, I'm looking for a manager, an agent, and that way I can be connected with perhaps like an entertainment lawyer and help to protect me as I, whenever the strike is over and whatnot, moving forward to 
connect with producers because I think that I've heard from other writers who are newbie writers that there are some instances where they were very much taken advantage of uh, in their first contract when they've sold or optioned a script. And so I want to feel prepared for that. And I want to continue to build the business professional side of this, of practicing pitching, of getting in front of producers and not crumbling under insecurity. So as of now, although it continues to evolve as I learn more, I would love to have representation. And then, yeah, I want to obviously get these movies made. I don't want them to just be shelved, but that's also part of what can happen sometimes. Well, I'm just giving you a really realistic kind of point of view is that what happens generally from someone like yourself wins awards and you got this great screenplay is that your agent will ship it. And basically a producer will probably come like, like have a conversation with you and then you'll, they'll hire you to write their idea. That's usually the first step. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that helps you get the units to get onto the exactly, WGA, yeah. right? Yeah. But you have to be so, prepared for that, that you're going to have, yeah. you're going to, someone who's got the money, someone who's got the clout is going to want their, their idea written. They're going to hire you to do that. So I recognize that. Scripts regard just blue, are blueprints of your talent, right? So. Yeah. But you know, we were talking about overnight successes and sometimes, you know, you watch a movie that you love, you go and look up the screenwriter and it's like, wow, how have they gotten 10 movies out in the last year? It's because they've been writing those for a really long time. And then they did the work and finally one clicked in one way or another. And then all of a sudden they're like, Hey, what other scripts you got? And it's like, Oh, glad you asked. Here's my last, you know, nine years of of scripts. So I do recommend. I know you don't want to work in a writer's room, but a lot of them work on bad TV shows and then they're they're not bad writers they just work on bad tv shows and then but they <laughs> no but they learned like look at matthew weiner he worked on bad tv shows for 20 years and then he finally got the, his baby made right so basically they have to go through the grind sometimes that's basically what i'm saying yeah for sure and so i professionally am a, a technical writer of software develop for software development companies okay. and this journey started for me when i was 15 years old i was cleaning sweat on tanning beds right like And then I moved up to be a corporate trainer of the tanning salons uh, and doing district management and then doing technical writing. So I know I've, I'm willing to do like the grunt work, so to speak, or whatever it is to start at the bottom and work my way up. I know that it'll be a challenge for my tender little ego, but you know, we'll get there. And I also believe there's a bit of luck and a bit of magic involved. And if I keep writing and keep sharing and keep putting myself out there and accepting feedback and networking and doing podcasts and stuff like this, yeah. that something's bound to click. I, I really do believe that. Yeah. Well, it, this is a, maybe a cliche line, but luck is opportunity um, beats preparation. So you just got to be luck is going to uh, luck always happens, right? You just have to be prepared for that opportunity. And sometimes you're not. And then therefore that luck goes away. So. Right. <laughs> So, <laughs> all right. Well, congratulations on the script. It's so funny that you had nothing to say about that. Like you, you're like the the most elegant uh, uh, interviewer I had for a long time, and like you just you just said nothing <laughs> on that line. That's so interesting. Anyways, about which line? What I just said. What I just said about luck is opportunity meets preparation. You just kind of like like you didn't have you didn't have a, a rebuttal. So. Oh, I didn't know if you were doing the thing where you're like, and mic drop, we're done. <laughs> I was like, no, oh, no, is this no, no. the it's... end? <laughs> I saw 1030. Um, yeah, I think that luck and inspiration favor a prepared mind as well, you know, where you continue to show up and then you have those moments that are lucky. And I also was thinking of how I 
said the same sort of thing that I said a bit ago of like, something's going to click, something's going to click. But I was saying that for years before I'd even written anything. And I was just like laying in bed, watching The Good Place for the fourth time. And I hadn't written anything, but I'm like, oh, something's going to click. Like, I don't know what I thought that someone's just going to knock on the door and be like, Jen Butler. Yeah. Do you want to write a screenplay? Here's a million dollars. And I'd be like, yay. And smell awful and be wearing like two week old pajamas and just think that it's going to find me. So that um, like two of entitlement pajamas that 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 you've been wearing for two weeks or that you bought two mm-hmm. weeks ago. No, two week old pajamas, meaning I've been wearing them for two You're weeks. Right. Two. So that's yeah, there was a lot of uh, depression for, for very many yeah. years and hiding, but also still expecting the the universe and all the producers out there to somehow just know who I am. Yeah. But so you're, no you one knows. Idealist. Yeah, that makes an idealist, one hundred percent. And also, there was a sense of entitlement. You know, there's like, oh well, I just this is what I should have because I'm so special you're because so I did do well in high school and college, and I won every contest that I submitted writing to. But so you, you got talent, and now you're now you're developing the talent. So, yeah, I'm de- yes, I'm developing the skills and the muscle, and also uh, the, I guess, is, would it be humility? Is that the the opposite of ego? I should Google it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Just they, we yeah. all have ego, right? We just have to we have to like make sure that it's it's tempered. On yeah, that note, uh, I could talk to you for a while, but I we we do have to. Uh, it's amazing. I, I let's talk again uh, either when we showcase your next script or when the script yeah. when the scripts gets made into a film or when you get your you when when like I said when that producer hires you to write the script for a year and then it gets rewritten and and then you understand <laughs> how the game works. <laughs> Yes, that's the next. I'm just part trying of it, to be realistic. So, oh, 100. percent I want to. I need before, to have. So, I've talked to people yes. like yourself, and then and then we talk three years later, and it's another three year journey. So, but you're on. Yes. You're on your way. You're. You're. It's. This is a really good script. Like I said, concept, amazing concept that was executed, and that's very rare. That's like one one in 300 scripts. So basically, you're on your way. I genuinely appreciate that. I do have a follow-up question about your read-throughs of the script. I don't know if you want to record that because other people might have the question too, okay, or if ahead. you want to do it off the board. Yeah. Okay. So in hearing the script, because you did the first, I think, handful of pages, first yeah. few pages, hearing it helped me see what what was dragging. And I very much want to have your professional actors read through the whole thing. Yeah. But I was wondering, can I like make tweaks to the script and then be like, hey, will you read this abridged version, like this shortened kind of version that would sound better? Or is it only the script that? No, of course not. We always do okay. rewrites. Yeah. You can. Oh, you can, good, yeah, good, good. Yeah. yeah. Oh okay, yeah, all that's, the time. That's what yeah. I wanted to know. Yeah. Because there's a yeah. lot of exposition, which is quick to read through, but when yeah. it's being read aloud by someone with an amazing booming voice, I'm like, all right, <laughs> get to it. Get yeah. to the action. No, no, okay, that's cool. that's what we always do. It's just, there's, there needs to be an end point where like, okay, now I'm ready to perform the whole thing, right? So basically, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right, I'd love to talk with you more about that because hearing it, I mean, it was really, really exciting to listen to the, the story being brought to life. So I'd love to do that with a slightly evolved version uh, with less exposition and more action. 100%. On that Thank note, you. yeah, we, that, that's recorded. Yeah. We'll finish it off there and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five.